the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work. Empowering you to better understand and deliver a best-in-class, future-proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, it's Rhonda Taylor from the Talent Experience. Today we have a guest from across the pond, and he's a longtime friend. He's the CEO of Unleash. Uh, we're going to speak a bit about Unleash, but we are going to speak about the world and talent. So today I am welcoming to, to our, our podcast, Mark Coleman. Hi, Mark. Hi, Rhonda. Thanks for having me today. Good. Mark, do you want to go? I did, I did a very superficial introduction, the uh, CEO of Unleash. Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, so tell me, tell about myself or Unleash? Um, oh, uh, yeah, I, I think you are Unleash. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a team sport. I have an amazing team working for me. So credit to you. Um, so my name is Mark Coleman. I'm the founder and CEO of Unleash. We've, uh, we were founded in 2011. We started as a very small HR conference in Amsterdam. Um, we see ourselves now as the uh, global market leader in the world of HR tech learning, recruitment, and well-being. Um, so it's all about the future of work and technology. Um, imagine a show which is hybrid that you know has some of the most amazing uh, pioneers and thought leaders on the future of work on our main stages, breakouts where you have access to you know everything that will ser- self-serve you around the roles of HR. Um, so everything from people analytics um, through to recruitment, talent acquisition, learning, and more. Um, and we do lots of fun. We have the longest running um, uh, startup competition as well. Um, so startups is kind of like, I won't say it's the backbone, but it's definitely in our DNA. And um, we have a lot of fun with um, with startups. And our modus operandi is we do um, two shows, one on each side of the Atlantic, one in Viva Las Vegas um, in April every year. And um, our flagship event is obviously our global event in Paris uh, in October, which we obviously saw you at two weeks ago. Right. And 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 in Paris, my eyes were just opened up big time, Mark, when it came to the talent world and, and, and globally what it's like. And we're going to talk about that. But I want to go back to like 2011. Um, you forgot to say, I love it, that you were a scientist <laughs> and you went into the HR show space. Like, t- talk about a big career deviation. How did that come about? And my second part to that question is when you launched, what type of companies bought in? Because you were basically a no-name yeah. event. True. So. How did it, how did in 2011 all come into being from a scientist to a CEO of an event? And in Budapest. So we were like, you know, on the Iron Curtain. So that was even like Dodge City. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't make life easy for myself. Uh, I've been told that um, scientists and engineers are brilliant at events. And I can actually understand why. It's kind of like when you do scientific experiments, there's a kind of, you know, the, the procedure of everything that you do um, is like, you know, what's the title of the experiment? What, you know, what's this going to, what are you trying to achieve? What are, what are the, what's the apparatus? What's the procedure? What's the conclusion? 
that whole setup is in like the DNA of all event managers. And so there's timelines and deadlines. That's our world. We live by that. So I think I'm quite suited to this world. Plus, I love the hospitality industry. I absolutely adore it. And it's kind of in my DNA since I'm a teenager back home in Ireland. Um, and sorry, the, yeah, well, like, the idea of going to to Netherlands was quite an easy one because it's got a strong HR tech and it's a recruitment capital in Europe. Um, it's got a really strong airport in Schiphol as well. Um, that very first event, I think what you're asking wasn't talent. It was actually payroll, core HR people, HR techies. Um, and we were just on that cusp of moving into the cloud. So Workday was the bell of the ball. And um, there had been attempts to do maybe three or four HR tech events in Europe. And I remember talking to Thomas Otter from, he was at Gartner at the time, obviously one of the industry's leading investors now. And um, we kind of looked at why all those other events had failed. That was the biggest thing to see why they had failed. They, they were successful in that they had plenty of sponsors and great speakers and stuff like that, but all of them had problems. And that was quite tough, actually, going to market with a no-name event or a name of the same event. Sorry, an event of the same name. It was kind of like, weren't you here last year and the year before? Or it was kind of like three of these last year and they weren't very good. Um, and then I guess the reality was as well, I tell this story quite a bit, like we had no clue how to do a HR conference. It was 400 people. It was myself, Vicky, and, and two other people. That was it. Um, we screwed up everything you could screw up as far as events goes, like the, the lanyards and the badges were all tied together for registration exactly at nine o'clock in the morning when everyone was arriving. Um, we did seat drops at 4 a.m. in the morning with Cornerstone. Um, like everything, Thomas Otter, the, um, the, the, you know, the prompter for the main screen didn't work. So he had to shout to everyone at the back of the room, which wasn't a good kind of idea for a technology event. But the crowd that were there were very high level and they were all there like for the right reasons, the content, like all the content at Unleash was amazing. Um, so that's where the win was. And of course the networking was brilliant. And then I remember like Oracle did like a 10 grand investment and they won like a 19 million uh, euro deal with, um, with a bank in uh, Switzerland called Control Risks. So it was a small investment for a massive outcome. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I, I guess that's why they had such a big booth at, at, your, at your event in Paris. Right? So there's a reason for everything. It's like, you know, it's always one deal will pay off. <laughs> oh, well, well, that's exactly that, that's exactly how, how we felt. You know, we had a, a great team there and um, traffic was there. But you know what? It's all the work after you do it. It's, it, now, as I said, now the work begins. Yeah. So go, going back, you know, you've have seen your show evolved and you've seen all, all the players come into the talent space. And, and within the past five months, there's been, you know, uh, you know, I used to think that maybe if feel 50 was the only, only puppy at the, at the dog bowl, but now, there's all kinds of people that all kinds of other puppies there. And some of them are a lot bigger than field 50. Um, what are the trends that you're seeing, you know, just sitting as an event organizer with the talent space? Well, the trends are huge. There's mega trends. Obviously AI is the wave that we're going to enjoy for the next two decades. We're coming off the cloud, which is kind of, you know, spearheaded HR tech. Like that's been the rocket ship 
Like when you look at Workday coming in in 2011, they had no office in Europe back then. Aviva was their first big customer. If you look at the consolidation that happened in the marketplace back then, which was Connexa got bought by IBM, Taleo got bought by Oracle. Um, who else did you have? You had Success Factors bought by SAP. Um, if you look at our space right now, the number of unicorns, especially in the talent space, like that's the biggest category. Um, it's significant. So you have trends like reshoring, nearshoring. nearshoring. You probably saw the all the employers of record on site like Atlas and Globalization Partners. I was talking about the talent game earlier. We've lost talent in Europe to big, like New York Times is where my editor headed off um, about a year ago. So we were getting like big American players stealing talent from Europe now. So the game and like the war for talent is a world war now. It's on a different level, completely different level. Um, and even with, um, you know, the the trends that you're seeing, like quite quitting and um, the great resignation, they're there for a reason. You know, employees are not happy in their jobs. They need more purpose and meaning. They need lifelong learning. They need fast track. Um, they're ambitious. You know, this. There's so much going on in the marketplace now that wasn't there before. There's people that were suffering in industries during the pandemic and they've moved to other industries. They're not coming back. So that layer of talent is completely missing in the middle. Um, and it's not coming back. The only way you get it back is through upskilling. So that talent, mobility, upskilling, all that stuff's on fire. Absolutely on fire at the moment, even with recessionary winds and you know tough economy i'm here in london like the <laughs> the, the british government haven't been doing a good job of the economy in the last five or six weeks so, <laughs> so you know winter not to be game of thrones but winter is coming <laughs> yeah and you know you're, you're so right that that we're seeing the evolution of talent mobility becoming the number the number one um, need in, in all companies, not just the big, large corporations. Like we're seeing it in the mid markets, companies with a hundred people. Um, and you got to invest in, you got to invest in your, in your people. So taking it one step further and, and it's, it's the talent is very different. And <clears throat> I did some global recruiting years and years ago, and I was just amazed at, at some of the, differences that I ran into, but I really witnessed a whole new level of, you know, differences between um, employees, you know, on, on site and you being international, how's that impact the workplace? How do you mean? Well, in, for example, the employee, the employees are, uh, we we think of North America nine to four. Um, everybody uh, gets starts off with two or three weeks holidays, and and that's it. And you book your time off. Um, yeah. <laughs> but when I went to Europe, it was like, oh my gosh! And and we learned a little bit last year, Courtney. I'm sure you'll agree. When we had a Nordics team, yeah. and at Christmas they just disappeared, <laughs> and you know they were they were going skiing. And then Santa Claus <laughs> lives there. What do you expect? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and then uh, and then obviously it, it was this, there was a block in the summertime too when they they just were not available. The the, the whole industry seems to close down. Yeah, yeah. Do you see that in other countries? Of course. I mean, I've seen our American clientele that have come over 
for Paris. It's like um, the differences between Paris and Vegas. It's like night and day. It's like you're in France now. <laughs> um, customer service is not the same as Vegas. Um, I think, yeah, you've got to realize like there's, yeah, there's definitely those things in America. You guys, like the American dream is different in different industries. Um, you have great leadership organizations, great HR organizations, especially like companies like PepsiCo over here. It's Unilever, Nova Nordisk, like, and every country in Europe is, I often think of America being very, very much the same. Every state in America is completely different to the next. Like you compare New York to California, it's a different breed of people. Um, you have the complexities in Europe, which are entirely different. I always see the American marketplace being more homogenous. Like you do, you get up early, you go home, you go home at a decent hour, but a lot of people work late as well. Um, I see the work trends in Europe being far more favorable. We look after ourselves more. Our social benefits model is much, much better than in, in the United States. You have different management models and styles from Scandinavia down into DAC into German Central European regions. And that from a tech standpoint or a HR tech standpoint is very different as well because Americans often come to Europe forcing American software and American ways of life on, on European. <laughs> it's just not the same. We've different cultures, different languages, different systems, <laughs> different compliance. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's a bit of a beast. It's a bit of a monster. And it's not like, you know, if I look back on the workday story, for example, when they first came to Europe, um, the big win for them was a Viva insurance company. And the idea was, could they, you know, if their software worked in three countries, then it had a good chance of survival across the rest of Europe. It was a good market entry model. Um, and they chose, I think, if I remember correctly, it was like Aviva here in Hungary. Oh, sorry, I'm not in Hungary right now. It was Aviva in Hungary, Czech Republic and Romania or something like that. And the idea was if Workday can work in each of those three countries, then it's got a good chance of rolling out across Europe. And they did. They won the Aviva contract off Oracle, um, and that was the that's where the big fight started. Then with the big, the big three vendors, the big three vendors. That's right. Yeah. So and and of course, you know, you 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 you, you neglected to t talk about Italy. You know, you go into Italy. You know, the the, the need for um, lunch is lunch is just not an hour long, is it in Italy? Oh. Look, the way business is done in Paris, is, as you found out, is very stylish. You have to dress up and you have to have a couple of glasses of wine before you really get to the heart of the matter. And then as you go down south, it gets worse. Like the Spanish and the Italians take their siestas. Um, the Nordics take off um, at least the whole of August. Like, don't bother calling Denmark or, you know, Copenhagen. You're just not going to get an answer. Whereas I'm in Hungary next to Croatia, those guys take, Croatians take off two or three months. <laughs> they take off the whole of summer. Um, and so, yeah, you, you just look across the Europe, every country is different. They, they all have a different way of life. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's interesting because we think we're the norm, mm -hmm. but we're really, as, as they say over in Europe, we're, the, we're still the new country. <laughs> Yeah, you guys, you guys still work too hard. You have to work very hard. Um, and some some people, two or three jobs. So we don't have that same work ethic is, is not in Europe. We, you know, most people are tied into one job. Right. And how many jobs would you think the, the typical European would have in a lifetime? I don't know. That's interesting. I, um, 
It's an interesting question. I, I once studied Silicon Valley. I did it about seven or eight years ago, and I was looking at you know how 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 networking was done, how the downloading of kind of what was called snackable content, um, kind of value led content, um, how how you can access it, access it as quickly as possible, and I was also looking at how people were going into jobs for kind of on average about two years, and a different contract to. to to kind of the way you see employment in Europe, like literally everyone putting everything into the job and all of their contacts and everything and leaving almost always in the right way as well. Um, you know, making sure that succession is in place and then moving quickly to a bigger and better job. I just love that. And it's like a story that, you know, isn't told very often. Um, and yeah, you start to see more and more people here in Europe now into the kind of shorter term gigs. Um, you look at certain employers, though, like um, um, typically big pharmaceutical companies, and you'll still find a lot of lifers. Um, but, you know, if I look at the Siemens delegation that were in Paris two weeks ago, and just looking at that on LinkedIn, those guys have been in, in Siemens for the last 17 20 years <laughs> and they won't be leaving it doesn't look like they're leaving anytime and i love that i love that they've kind of found their home um and they're very challenged and very inspired they you know they, they're they're bought into the big mission of the business um yeah. they're into sustainability and giving back to communities even though they're working in hr i love that and they're the stories that we like to put on stage yeah and you know the and and that leads into into my next question, and and that's um, you know I went to your early shows pre COVID, and you, you had like Richard Branson and Arena Huffington and, and and the whistleblower Snowden, um, and when we went to Paris, um, it was more peer to peer. There was a lot of CHROs up there. Um, this is obviously a new strategy. Um, and it obviously affects our space because we love to hear what the CEOs are saying as vendors. Yep. Um, but you obviously didn't do it for us. So, so <laughs> tell, tell us what, what the story behind it. Well, I think, I, you know, I think on that end, um, we did have CEOs on stage. We had, um, um, we had the CEO of Acor and we had the CEO of Dahar, which is an aeronautical company. We had three French unicorn CEOs on stage, very, very important ones. Um, yes, you're right, we had CHROs, but we had to celebrate that after the pandemic. Remember, this is our first time being back as a live event in three years. So if I look at like the last decade, it was the chief people officer, then it was the chief pandemic officer, now it's the chief purpose officer. So that was like one of the biggest messages we had to, it had to come from the horse's mouth. So that's why I think we had about seven or eight uh, Fortune 500 CHROs on the first day alone. So, and they were brilliant. They were really good. They were all very different. We had Beatrice, who's the CHRO of Nestle, one of the biggest food and beverage companies in the world. Um, and similarly, we had Roberto from Danone. So like, like fantastic lineup and across all industries and all walks of life. So, I, I, you know, that story had to be told and we had to showcase HR, you know, especially at that level more now than any other time but i you know i do think we always put in magic ingredients so you had we had a mathematician on stage who's just hannah fry she's absolutely amazing um so her her ideas around ai i call her the queen of ai 
you can't have a better mind on stage than her. And she's just a brilliant public speaker. And so there was a long list of them. You know, that's what it's all about. It's all about inspiration. And um, I often think like you just need one sentence from the main stage that can change your life. It can change your career. You, you know, we've had people go home to their jobs and quit their jobs sometimes because they're like, I'm not in the right job. I'm, you know, I need to be doing this or I need to be working for this company. So, and I love that as well. Now, I'm not saying everyone goes back and resigns. <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, it's, that, it's that watchwords that we're always looking for. That's our job. We're looking to um, inspire people, but, but, our, but our real job is being able to send them back to the office so that they can take intelligent action around HR strategy or their HR tech stack, what that needs to look like, or if they need, need a new ATS, then they've met greenhouse or smart recruiters or you know they've met all the right people um and 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 the important thing for us as well is that they're meeting it at the executive layer so i don't know if you noticed Rhonda certainly came from fuel 50 we had your um ceo on site joe it's great to meet her um but we also had the ceos of atlas vizier Hireview. there's a fantastic footprint and just having those guys meeting with their customers on site Customers don't have access to that normally at user events and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I think, you know, the CEOs weren't on stage. The vendor CEOs certainly weren't on stage, but there's a reason for that as well. Our audience don't want to hear from the HR vendors. They, they really want to hear practitioner content. Um, there are different ways in which they reach the content from the vendor CEOs, and I think we provide for that as well, different models. Yeah, you know, I just I I was in on one stage and it was a biotech company and I love that the the guy started his presentation saying I'm I'm here to tell you how I solved a problem. Yeah. Exactly. And the the stage the crowd the audience was just full. You know, the the <laughs> chairs were just full. And I think that that's after covid Everybody is 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 dealing with a magnitude of different problems. Right, that's it. How do you solve for the pain? Exactly, and you know, if, if if you have the problem, you can be sure that somebody else has had it. Yeah. And i i like I like the direction that that you went there because, um, you know, vendors definitely. If you listened, you picked up a lot on understanding the companies that you may potentially be selling to. Right. Um, because as you say, you know, every, every country, every, every business in Europe, depending upon their location, has different offerings to their employees. Oh, and your best salespeople are the customers on the floor because, um, you know, they all have the same problems, the same pain, the same countries and stuff like that. That's what it's all about. Um, and that's the knowledge information. Like that's where it's almost like serendipity. You don't know where your next connection is or or your next best friend. Um, we've had people get engaged at the show, for God's sake. It's mental. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> yeah, well, we had we had uh, Jonathan Kastenbaum got engaged at the show five, six years ago, but we had another one um, this month. I was just baffled by it, just blown away. Well, it's Paris. City of Romance. So, what do you? That's expect? right. The City of Romance. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Mark, where do you see um, the, you know, the talent space going um, as as an outsider? You're, it's it's really kind of neat 
you know, you're sitting there and you know most of the vendors. What what do you see down the road in your crystal ball? Uh, <laughs> that's a really tough question. I guess the it's 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 employee experience is where it's all at, and it's been there for a long time. So that's nothing new if we're looking for buzzwords. Um, you know, most of the vendors have been rolling out. Like I think it really started with Phenom and guys like that. The talent intelligence platforms. Um, so if you look at any of the user events that have happened in the last few weeks, you'll see that that's attached to that. Um, so knowing how you're using your workforce and like that's difficult for us because um, that level of business intelligence, most companies won't get on stage and talk about it. They'll talk to me in private under NDA on stuff like that. But, you know, the, the, the people analytics space has been going at a snail's pace for a very, very long time since like we did the first big data for HR conference in London in 2012. And that spawned like hundreds of people analytics conference since then. Um, but when I look at that, like it's been 10 years, I even talked talk to David Green about it. It's that evidence-based approach. You know, it's almost like, I often use a great example. It's Finland um, and their citizens and they use the citizens data to better serve them. You know, if there's parts of society um, that need learning or need better healthcare services and stuff like that. If we could use um, people's data or employees' data and companies to serve them better around benefits, recognition, mental health, all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, hybrid especially, no one's figured out hybrid um, and what that looks like, you know, working from the office, when to go to the office, you know, how teams work. Graduates, young people, students need, they can't be sat at home with their parents or their friends. They need to go into an office to learn and be around teams and stuff like that. So, so yeah, there's, there's, um, I think the talent intelligence, um, employee experience, that's where things are on fire at the moment. Yeah. And, and to take it one step further, Mark, you know, we're, we're even seeing, um, companies using that employee data, um, skills data in predicting their, their, their needs of the future yeah you know exactly yeah you know which is really important yeah i think gary bowles talks about skills quite well we were talking about that in paris i, I mm -hmm. love i love um i love what he's talking about you know that's something we need to invest in heavily for the next five years uh, or more or, or more. more sorry i can't <laughs> i can't go further than five <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, well, Mark, I, I wish you and the Unleashed team uh, the best of luck. Um, Likewise. You have, you have an event coming up in Vegas, right? When is that? Oh, Vegas is, well, it's not coming up, thank God. It's in, um, it's in April on the 26th and 27th. We've got a new home. Um, we're in Caesars Forum. Um, so we're, we've created a show. We're calling it the International Festival of HR. It's a very different product to what we're doing here in Europe and very different to anything we've ever done before in the US. I'm really, 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 really excited for what we're bringing to the market next year. Okay, great. This is Rhonda Taylor, thanking Mark Coleman for being my guest today. And thank you for listening to The Talent Experience. Bye now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalentX Podcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag Talent Experience Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. 
the Talent Experience Podcast was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel 50.